America's best music city, a little French donut, and a sandwich imported from Sicily. This week, we're in New Orleans. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. And this week, we're in one of my all-time favorite cities in the United States, New Orleans, Louisiana, a city that's a true gumbo of cultures, from African-American to Cajun and Creole, from Hispanic to Vietnamese, New Orleans simmers them all together to create one of America's truly unique cities filled with music and festivals and, of course, food. So, let's eat. What to eat? Hey, you gonna finish that? On Destination Eat Drink. You can read more about New Orleans and all the trips we've taken at our travel website for foodies, DestinationEatDrink.com. When you think about food in New Orleans, you undoubtedly first think about crawfish or jambalaya or gumbo or maybe that most famous of new orleans sandwiches the po boy but instead of talking about any of those i'm going to talk about a sandwich that was brought to new orleans by italian immigrants called the mufalada now new orleans might not be the first place you think of when you think of italian immigrants you probably think of new york or boston or philadelphia but actually Italian immigrants were in New Orleans decades before they landed in any of those places, and they had made a strong community in what is known as the French Quarter. In fact, a lot of people started derisively calling it the Sicilian Quarter because of all the Sicilians who were living there. And in 1906, a Sicilian immigrant from Palermo named Salvatore Lupo brought a sandwich to New Orleans called the Mufalata. The Mufalata is a sandwich on Italian bread with mortadella, some cheese, provolone please, olives, uh, chopped up into a relish and lots of olive oil to soak into that bread. In fact, that olive relish is the best part of any mufalata sandwich. Uh, mufalata, if you've never heard of it before, is kind of like Italian bologna, but not really. Um, instead of just straight meat, it also has chunks of pork fat in it. So when you slice the mufalata, you'll see little uh, diamond or square shapes of pork fat in the meat. That's what the mortadella is, and that's what makes up the majority of the mufalata. Well, Salvatore brought it from Sicily, although it said that uh, it was invented in New Orleans. Probably Salvatore invented the name mufalata, but this sandwich was well known in Palermo and Sicily for decades before uh, he brought it to New Orleans. In fact, today, if you go to Palermo during many feast days, you'll see a sandwich that is extraordinarily similar to this mufalata sold on the streets of Palermo. So probably Salvatore didn't invent it, but he's certainly responsible for bringing it to New Orleans and for popularizing it at his place called the Central Grocery. And the Central Grocery is still in New Orleans. You can shop there. It's a great little Italian grocery store with the deli, and they sell the mufalata, and it says home of the mufalata right there, and it's run by Salvatore's descendants. Great spot to go when you're in New Orleans. 
The other thing that I love to get in New Orleans is the beignet. And you've probably heard of beignets. They're little square donuts without the hole in the middle and topped with powdered sugar. And you can get them all over New Orleans, the most famous place being Café du Monde, which is not my favorite place to go. It's in the French Quarter and it's very touristy. My favorite place to go is called Café Beignet. And it's also in the French Quarter. It's on Royal Street. And if you go to their location in Royal Street, you stand in line, you get your beignet. A lot of times it comes right fresh out of the fryer. It's so good that way with the powdered sugar on top because it's crispy on the outside, a little steam coming out when you bite in, and light and airy on the inside. Perfect. You go outside, you sit in their little courtyard shaded by trees. Perfect way to start your day in New Orleans is at Café Beignet, along with a Café Olay, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. My favorite place in the city for down-home cooking is the Treme neighborhood of New Orleans. This is a traditionally African-American neighborhood. In fact, it was the first free people of color neighborhood in the United States. Free people of color were the offspring of African slave women and white slaveholding men who were declared as free. Many of them were sent back to France to be educated, and they settled back in New Orleans in this community called Free People of Color. And they created their own businesses. They created their whole society apart from the white slaveholding section of New Orleans. Today, it's a vibrant and exciting place to visit, and I'll talk about one of my favorite places to go to see cool stuff in Treme a little bit later. But first, where you eat there is Willie Mae's Scotch House and Dookie Chase's Restaurant. Dookie Chase's is famous worldwide for their soul food. Barack Obama has eaten there. Lots of famous people have eaten there. And they make amazing food. So does Willie Mae's Scotch House, also one of the best soul food restaurants in New Orleans. Here you can expect to get great stuff like uh, red beans and rice and okra and fried chicken. The only thing that I'll say is if you're vegetarian, just be careful and ask ahead because a lot of the stuff that you may look at and say, oh, that seems like it's vegetarian, red beans and rice, for example, might be cooked with chicken stock, or it might have sausage in it, or the collards might be cooked with some bacon fat. So make sure you ask first before you bite into something at uh, one of these restaurants. I will say that uh, Willie Mae's Scotch House is a great place to go if you're vegetarian because they label everything on the menu that's vegan. So there doesn't have to be any question. You just look right on the menu and they'll tell you this one's vegan, this isn't. So Willie Mae's Scotch House, my recommendation for eating good soul food in Treme. It gets so hot and humid that you've got to find a way to cool off when you're in New Orleans. And the most famous thing to do on a hot day in New Orleans is to get a snowball. Now, snowballs might sound like they're just like snow cones, but they're not. If you've ever had a snow cone, it's got little crushed up ice crystals with super sweet syrup poured on top. That's not really what a snowball is. A snowball is super fine ice. So more like snowflakes rather than little pieces of rock on your tongue. 
And the most famous place to get a snowball in New Orleans is Hanson's Snow Blitz. Here, they've got fluffy, cold, delicious snowballs. And if you want to be real fancy, get your snowball stuffed. That means it has ice cream on the inside, snowball on the outside. The other way that you can get it that's really neat is to get your snowball creamed. That means they pour evaporated milk on top. So that makes it really, really sweet, but also super refreshing for those hot summer New Orleans afternoons. Want to drink? I'll have another on Destination Eat Drink. If you'd like to get my novel Truffle Hunt, it's available at EckhartsPress.com or at Amazon.com. It's the tale of the three most elusive things in the world, truffles, love, and war criminals. It takes place in Istria, Croatia. And if you'd like to know more about Istria, Croatia and truffles, check out our episode of the Destination Eat Drink podcast at uh, radiomisfits.com. Click on Istria, Croatia. When you think of drinking in New Orleans, you undoubtedly think of open containers and big-ass beers. That's what they're called in New Orleans. They're signs advertising big-ass beers. Or maybe you think of hand grenades, those long, skinny tubes of plastic filled with potent alcohol and a, a replica of a hand grenade on the bottom with LED lights blinking. New Orleans is known for open container laws, which are probably the most liberal in the country. You're allowed to carry pretty much anything you want as long as it's not in a glass container. And that happens all up and down Bourbon Street, where drunken revelry is a normal rite of passage. But for me, I would much rather get a nice cocktail in New Orleans instead of as much beer as I can possibly drink for $10. And that's to be got at Arnon's French 75 Bar. A French 75 is a cocktail invented by the French, of course, and it's kind of a riff on a Tom Collins, which is gin and soda water, kind of like a gin and tonic. But what the French did was instead of using soda water, they get rid of that. They pour in champagne with the gin, some lemon juice, and then a little bit of sugar to sweeten it up. Perfection in a glass, in my mind. And Arnon's French 75 bar is the place to get it. I mean, if it's got French 75 in the name, you know that they know how to make the cocktail. And Arnon's is one of the best. In fact, Arnon's has been voted by many places as the best bar in the United States. Another great place to get a drink in New Orleans is the Hotel Monteleone. This hotel, also founded by a Sicilian over 100 years ago, is on Royal Street in the French Quarter. I stay here whenever I'm in New Orleans. It's my favorite hotel. But what they have at their bar is very unique. It's a little bit touristy, but it's fun just the same. Their bar is actually a rotating carousel. In other words, the bar stools and the bar rotate 360 degrees while you're sitting there. Not so fast to make you dizzy or feel like you've had too many cocktails, but nice and slowly, and it makes for a fun little activity to do while you're enjoying a cocktail. My only point is, make sure you scope out your seat. They fill up very quickly, and people snag seats as quickly as they become open. So you've got to be quick, you've got to be aggressive if you want to have a cocktail at the Carousel Bar at Hotel Monteleone. 
After a night of drinking, you probably want to get that beignet that I was talking about and a cafe au lait. Nothing goes better with a beignet than a cafe au lait. And a cafe au lait is made with coffee, yes, but also with ground chicory root. And chicory is a green like spinach or lettuce. You dig up the root, you dry it, and you can brew it much like you do coffee. Um, A lot of people find it more bitter than coffee, and it's not very good by itself. But what happened in France was during hard times when they couldn't get coffee beans, they would use chicory root as a substitute. So when times were tough, when coffee beans were scarce, they used chicory. And New Orleans, being a French colony, starts doing the same. Cafe au lait is available in New Orleans. And for the same reason, the colonists in the United States began to drink chicory coffee as well. During times of scarcity, during times of war, they would add chicory to their coffee. And when times became good, the chicory went away in most of the colonies and they went back to drinking regular coffee everywhere except New Orleans, where they still add chicory to their coffee to make a cafe au lait. So look for that in New Orleans because it's a great way to enjoy your beignet. Things to do and places to see. I don't know. What do you want to do? On Destination Eat Drink. Subscribe to the podcast Destination Eat Drink at Spotify, at iTunes, on Stitcher, or just go to radiomisfits.com to get the latest episode. We drop a new one every Friday. New Orleans is without a doubt one of the most fun cities that you can visit. There's always a festival going on. There's always a party going on. And you should look for these when you're visiting New Orleans because there's nothing more fun than just joining in on the parade. And people will let you do so. I remember we were there once and the Joan of Arc Festival was going on and the parade was going by and we just joined in with the fun. Nobody cares. It's a lot of fun to join in. But if you're looking for jazz music in New Orleans, you don't need to look any further than the street corner where there's always bands playing practically everywhere. You also want to hit the Preservation Hall, which is the place that's credited with originating jazz. You can go there. It's very touristy, but it's also an important pilgrimage spot. They have concerts every night. You can buy your tickets online and then you wait and go in and you see a little Dixieland jazz band play. But really, it's mostly about being in the place where jazz was invented. It's kind of like going to the Cavern Club in Liverpool or going to the Stone Pony in Asbury Park, New Jersey. These are places where important music events in history happened. And the uh, Preservation Hall is like that, even though once you get inside, it's less than overwhelming <laughs> because it's basically just a, a, a cave. It, it really does feel kind of like the cavern, only smaller, more cramped and more damp. But if you really want to see great jazz music, get off of Bourbon Street and go to Frenchman Street. It's my favorite place to hang out for an evening. And if you're a serious jazz aficionado, then you want to go to Snug Harbor. That's the best listening room. It has the best acoustics and it has great jazz players who play there all the time at Snug Harbor. But for my money, 
I just like wandering up and down Frenchman Street and picking a different club and seeing what's going on in there. So go there and check it out. Find your favorite. If one doesn't suit you, go into another one. I remember seeing a video one night of Bill Murray walking into one of these clubs on Frenchman Street and the band starts playing the theme from Ghostbusters. Just out of the blue because Bill Murray walked in. How New Orleans, that's the only place that could happen, is some club in New Orleans on Frenchman Street. Now, I told you about the restaurants in Treme, but there's two other really, really good reasons to visit the Treme neighborhood. The first is Armstrong Park, which is right on the border of Treme. It's the first place you'll go into, probably if you're coming from the French Quarter. It's the first place that you'll see when you go into Treme. And Armstrong Park is, of course, dedicated to jazz originator, and legend Louis Armstrong. Inside Armstrong Park is this place called Congo Square. And Congo Square is extraordinarily important because Congo Square is the location where the African slaves would gather on Sunday. Sunday was the only day that they were allowed to themselves. And they would gather on Sunday. They had a little market there. They also did singing and dancing. And a lot of people trace the origins of American music and jazz to Congo Square. There's statues up there. There's plaques up there. You can sit there and enjoy and really soak in the atmosphere at Congo Square. It's quite an extraordinary place to be. The other place you want to go is the Backstreet Cultural Museum, which is a converted funeral parlor that's become a museum and the archive of the collection of Sylvester Francis. Now, Sylvester Francis is a very interesting individual. He collected all kinds of memorabilia, films, posters, costumes, everything you can imagine relating to Mardi Gras and the parades in Treme and all over New Orleans. The museum itself is tiny. It's a couple of rooms. We spent hours in there watching the films and learning the history and looking at the posters and asking questions. And then they opened up the side room where the big chief costumes are. If you've ever been to Mardi Gras or you've seen Mardi Gras on TV and you see the guys dressed up in these elaborate, feathery, colorful costumes, those are the big chief costumes. And here's the interesting thing about them. Those big chief costumes are only used once at Mardi Gras. Then they're retired and they start on a new costume almost immediately for the next year. So they've got this collection of all of these big chief costumes at the Backstreet Cultural Center. It's only a couple of bucks to get in, and it's never been crowded the times that we've been there. But it's a fascinating place to go, and it's so much more interesting than the other tourist traps that you'll find down on Bourbon Street. New Orleans is also known for voodoo, which voodoo's meaning and real purpose has been twisted and bastardized over the years. It's not about potions and witchcraft and sticking pins into dolls to smite down your enemies. It's really a set of spiritual beliefs and remedies. Um, and if you go to New Orleans, there's all these tourist traps that'll try to suck you in based on that unrealistic vision of what voodoo is. So Stay away from the historic voodoo museum in the French Quarter. 
Um, stay away from going inside Marie Laveau's house of voodoo. But there are some legitimate places. If you're truly interested in learning about voodoo, I would suggest first take uh, the free tours on foot. They offer the New Orleans voodoo tour. It goes to Congo Square that we talked about, takes you to some voodoo shops. And if you want to go to Marie Laveau's gravesite, Marie Laveau is really considered the godmother of New Orleans voodoo. And her gravesite at St. Louis Cemetery Number 1 is a place that a lot of people go. Um, that's not part of their free tour. You have to book an additional tour to go there because the cemetery, they now charge people to go inside. It became too much of a tourist attraction and people were defacing the cemetery, which is never a good idea. So now they charge an admission, but you can go there and it's very interesting to learn about the history of voodoo in New Orleans. If you don't want to go on a tour, there's lots of legitimate voodoo shops in New Orleans. We list them on our website, destinationeatdrink.com. I would just say this. If you're going into one of these voodoo shops, don't go in, I'll say this, be respectful, okay? When you go in, make sure that you're asking legitimate questions. And even then, it's possible you could stumble and say the wrong thing. People can get offended. Imagine if someone came in to a church and started asking offensive questions, someone might get bent out of shape. And the same can happen at some of these voodoo shops. So when you go in, try to be as respectful as possible and try to be uh, thirsty for knowledge. Tips and inside information on Destination Eat Drink. There's so much going on in New Orleans all the time that it's really difficult to get a handle on it and tell you this is the place to go, that's the place to go, because of all the festivals, of all the events, and of all the different concerts that happen. But I'll say this. Listen to local radio station WWOZ. They stream on the internet. When I get lonely for New Orleans, I'll listen to WWOZ on TuneIn Radio. And they play, they're what a radio station should be. You know, in this world of corporate radio stations that all play the same music or all have the same programming, WWOZ is what radio should be, which is focused on the local community. So they play local New Orleans music and blues all the time. It's a great station if you love that kind of music. But the other thing is, on every even hour, so at 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, they do a countdown of all of the things happening in New Orleans that day. So if you're wondering what to do when you're in New Orleans, listen to WWOZ. That's the place to go to find out information. I wouldn't rent a car if I was going to New Orleans. Um, and that's not because the public transit system is so great. It's average at best. It's fun to ride the streetcars, especially into the Garden District. But Mass transit isn't one of the strengths of New Orleans. Also, the ferry service is part of the mass transit in New Orleans, and it's fun to take the ferry across the river, but it doesn't exactly link up all the neighborhoods in New Orleans very efficiently. I wouldn't rent a car because um, New Orleans is fairly walkable, and parking is a nightmare and very expensive in New Orleans. 
The last thing I would say is make sure when you're walking around to have coins and small denomination bills with you. If you stop and listen to some street musicians, and you undoubtedly will, it's polite to tip them. I usually put a dollar in if I'm listening for a song or so. If I'm just wandering by, I'm not going to throw money in. But if I stop and listen for more than a minute, I'm going to put a dollar in there just to be polite. This is how a lot of folks supplement their income. Some of them even make their living being buskers right there on the street. And if you really enjoy it, a lot of folks will have their CDs for sale for, you know, like 10 bucks. It's cheap. So support them, but make sure you're prepared before you go out and you have some low denomination bills and some coins in your pocket. Every place that I mentioned during the New Orleans Destination Eat Drink podcast is available on our website, DestinationEatDrink.com. Just click on North America, click on New Orleans, and you'll see everything that we talked about, plus so, so much more that we didn't have time for. Destination Eat Drink, the podcast, is distributed by Ed Silla and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You can always get old episodes of Destination Eat Drink at radiomisfits.com. I'm Brent Peterson. Join me again next week as we're off to somewhere new on Destination Eat Drink, the podcast. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink. A presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. 